Hey, Bob here, and welcome back to the Your Virtual Upline Podcast, where we give network marketers the mindset, strategies, and skills that you need to build the business and life of your dreams. Hey, Bob here. Welcome back to the show, episode 155. In this episode, we continue our discussion from last week, part two, where I invite three community members and a good friend of mine to the show with me, where we have a very open and honest and frank discussion around the issues of racism and discrimination and what's happening in our society today. Uh, I really believe that that you'll appreciate kind of the candor that we have inside of this interview. And hopefully last week's episode really gave uh, a lot of you a little bit of clarity and direction in this area. I just want to thank all of you that reached out to me with your feedback from the episode. I really appreciate it. And a couple of specific comments gave me just some uh, additional insight into just the right way for me to approach this issue moving forward. So thank you for that, uh, as always. But I'm going to turn it over to the interview. We've got two of our community members, uh, Felicia Yvette and Robin Sullivan, two black women that uh, have a lot to share along the lines of uh, what it means to be a white man or woman leading a person of color on your team. I really think that some of their insight is going to be very helpful for you. And then I have a good friend of mine, actually somebody I've known for many years, uh, Dr. Sunjata Sunjata, who is a race activist, uh, anti-discrimination, and uh, a self-proclaimed authentic dialogue facilitator. And I think you're going to really enjoy hearing his perspective because his heart really aligns with the work that we do here with leading with love and the philosophy of legacy leadership. So I just thought it was a powerful discussion. There is a couple of moments where I get put on the hot seat and get grilled a little bit, which I appreciated. Tables were turned uh, for a change. But So I'll turn it over to the interview. And, and once again, I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Let's continue this discussion uh, and let me know what additional areas you may need some help and support. So here's the interview. All right, everybody, Bob here. Welcome to the show for part two of our discussion that we started in the last episode. And this, to me, is really going to be the most valuable part of this conversation around race and racism and and a lot of the issues that we see happening right now in the world today that are creating so much uncertainty for all of us. And um, But I think very important for us to be able to have a conversation because I think that is certainly the first step. So I want to do my part and I've invited a couple of guests to the show here and I'm very excited that they'll have a chance to to chat with me today. And um, my hope is that by the end of this show that we can provide some, some insight to those of you that are looking to do something and you just don't know where to start. But I've got here with me today, Felicia Yvette. Felicia is uh, actually a, a member of our Next Level Leadership program. And um, she's been a a member of our community for some time. She's had a lot of success in her network marketing business and doing some incredible things. Uh, I've got Robin Sullivan with me. And Robin has been a part of our community for a number of years. And she and I formed a relationship a few years ago. She's doing some incredible things in her company, uh, actually has one of the fastest growing teams in uh, in her company, which is a very well-known network marketing company. but 
Felicia and Robin, both black women that are doing uh, absolutely incredible things and they're really championing for, you know, the issues that we're, we're dealing with today. And they're going to be able to lend a, I believe, a, a different perspective on what it means to lead people of color and uh, what the, you know, the repercussions as white men and women, as I know most of the, you listeners are. And then last but not least, we have actually a good friend of mine, Dr. Sunjata Sunjata. Sunjata and I, our uh, paths date way back to the early stages, the very beginning of my network marketing journey. He and I were in the same company in separate teams, and uh, our paths kind of followed closely together. He was in my team as one of my top leaders, but has since gone on, and uh, his career took a different path as mine has. And you know, he is now a, uh, a father, a friend, an anti-oppression activist, an authentic dialogue facilitator, realtor. I love that you threw that in there, the entrepreneurial side <laughs> of it. And, uh, and the host of a podcast called The Theory of Indivisibility. But uh, Sunjata has, I asked him to be here today because he is, he's a good friend of mine and I know he has a unique perspective. He's been really an activist in this area, but he has a message that is very close to the message we teach of legacy leadership and love, serve, grow and how really this is more than anything a human rights issue and talking about the power of love uh, as a potential antidote to all of this. So so allow me to welcome each of you. Thank you so much for being here today. Let's kind of get right into this. So, So here's how I'd like to start off. I'd like to just check in with each of you and just get a sense of how you're feeling right now today with all of this, right? I had this conversation with each of you individually through technology, but I feel like a great first step is in, in, from a, a white man's perspective, being willing to truly, from the place of compassion, understand how these issues of today are affecting you. So, Felicia, would you like to start off and just kind of share how are you feeling right now today with everything that's going on? How's this impacting you and your life and your business right now? Yeah, I actually had been really down for a while. You know, there was even a, an entire week that I felt like I needed to step away from everything. Um, and I, was, I wasn't really working my business, to be honest with you. I felt like it really impacted me in such a big way that I needed to step away and I needed to uh, focus on doing my best to offer what I could to my network um, because I knew that I had a lot of white women you know, in my company who follow me that I could, I could offer something to. But aside from that, I think there is now a bit of a numbness because this keeps happening, you know, it just keeps happening. And we eventually, I hate to say it, but we get used to it. It's going to happen again. So I feel much better than I did a week ago. Honestly, now we just, I move forward. You know, I feel okay today. Got it. Robin, how about you? Yeah, I, I had similar sentiments, but the way that the Lord kind of planned out my path and my journey and my business was that we COVID-19 hit because I'm in health and wellness. Um, That really revved our business up because obviously in the African-American community and communities of color, there's been a health pandemic for way longer than COVID-19 has been around. And so, you know, when this incident happened, this travesty happened with George Floyd It was literally the week that my team was pushing to the top of our company. And so it was burdening because I wanted to celebrate this huge accomplishment of our team. 
because we had done something that has not really been done very many times in our company because we hit the top and then we re-entered again before the end of the month, which is a whole nother deal. But so for me, it was hard actually leading these men and women who my team is primarily people of color, even though the company itself is primarily uh, non-people of color. It was difficult me even engaging in social media because that is our platform, right? Because there was so much heaviness with what was happening in our country. But at the same time, it was such a great accomplishment that our team had, we'd overcome so much. Um, I've been in my business almost seven years. And so we really kind of channeled that energy and turned that pain into purpose. And that was a good thing because in so many ways, we had to have some sort of a little bit of a distraction people of color do because it is, it's so, it's so deafening when you have so much silence from people who don't look like you and they don't, they choose not to say anything. They choose to stay silent, even though it's so obvious that there are injustices here. But at the same time, it's, I felt very hopeful that there are so many people through the vehicle of network marketing that are able to make a difference in this world and actually feel like their voices can be heard. So you chose to focus the energy in the direction of your team into, hey, let's let's continue to offer this thing that we have in the way of our products as a solution to part of what we see happening in this world today. The products and opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Great. I certainly want to come back to the issue of leadership when it comes to having people of color on your team, Felicia and, and Robin, because I know that that's something that are, is, is a really important part of this issue when it comes to our business. But so we'll come back to that in a second. But Sunjata, how about yourself, man? I, I listened to a couple of your couple of your recent messages on your podcast. So I have a good sense of how I know that you feel. But you know, could you share with my audience kind of how you're feeling today, given everything that's happening? Yeah. And I, I appreciate you taking a listen to my latest thoughts. Um, as, so, you know, my my thoughts and my pers- I could say my feelings are like complex. I have mixed emotions. You know, I've been on this journey of understanding oppression in society for several years now. Really what activated me to go on this journey to get into the anti-oppression work that I currently do, it was back in 2014 when the whole Mike Brown and Ferguson situation happened. And Bob, I'm sure you remember, that's when I started a group called Race Haven, solutions-focused dialogue about race relations in America. And that was my first podcast. And I actually hosted a lot of shows with John Costino who was the president of a company that you and I both were leaders in the direct sales space. And uh, John, a person of European descent who grew up in suburbia, and my thoughts, you know, contrasted with my upbringing in inner city West Philly, and he and I were able to model authentic dialogue around these race relations issues. Uh, That was really important work. But what I can say is, because of my training through my doctoral studies in something called systems theory, I learned how to understand patterns these patterns of oppression, whether they be police killings, whether they be sexual abuse, whether it be various forms of, you know, classism, just all these different forms, uh, the ways that oppression shows up in society. And I, I've learned how to understand the root cause. So for me, I'm a little bit, I, I would say, I kind of operate on a, at a different paradigm. I kind of operate in different paradigms. I operate within the paradigm of what's currently happening, and I understand that. And I empathize with what people are feeling in that space. But I also, because of my, the things I've learned, uh, I'm at a point where kind of all oppression, they all, none outweighs the other. 
So whether it be a police killing or whether it be sexism, I look at it all as oppression. And I think that they all need to stop. I think that they all need to, um, you know, we need to all, we need to reimagine society in a way that eliminates all forms of oppression. And that's the work I do currently through, and I put it out through my podcast, Theory of Indivisibility. So in this moment, I try to find a way to, to be sensitive to the ways that people are currently feeling in this moment. But for me, I'm, I'm in this work daily. So I'm constantly feeling the pain that a lot of people feel in this moment. I felt it. I'm constantly feeling it in a way. And I'm const- I constantly kind of have my head down doing my work as a form of protest. So for me, the protest has been ongoing since 2014. So I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked in this moment. And also, unfortunately, like Felicia said, it's going to happen again because the root cause of these issues are still pervasive in our society. Until we evolve our understanding and wake up to the root causes of these issues, they'll continue to happen over and over. And I'll I'll close by saying this. With that being said, the work that I do is important, but I will say that the work that everyone's doing in terms of amplifying the message that Black Lives Matter is important. And also my heart is warmed by the level of solidarity that I'm seeing in this moment. It's at a level that I've never seen before from my friends of European descent uh, in America in terms of their willingness to lean in and understand and show empathy from large corporations down to you know individuals who in the past would continue to kind of churn along. Uh, more and more people are just saying, you know what, I can no longer just keep churning along. I need to try to understand what's going on and figure out how I can do my part. So that part definitely warms my heart. Yeah, that's powerful. You know, one of the one of the things that I heard you say that I want to come back to and have you elaborate on, because I do think that it's very much connected with one of the issues I'd like to talk to Felicia and Robin about, Sunjata, is that the solutions don't lie within race. It's influenced by systems, right? So it's not about, I think you said it's not about the individual actors, it's about creating new systems for sustainability. And so I'd love to have, I'd love to, I want to come back to you and have you talk about that. Felicia, let me come back to you here and let me ask you this. And once again, I'm going to listen, I'm going to apologize ahead of time here because I'm going to try to have an open conversation. So if I use a word I shouldn't use or I say something wrong, you all, everybody's listening to this, you know that I'm coming from a place of love and service and I want to try to make a difference, right? So I really want us, I want that to be the undertone of this conversation. So, so coming from that place, I'll say as a white man, Race is not a topic that I've been very quick to want to embrace, right? In the past, especially as a leader and somebody that's somewhat of a public figure, I would have definitely avoided having a stance on this. And what I've come to realize now, and I really do, I think having children did change my perspective on this a little bit, because I think you just become a lot more sensitive about just the meaning of life kind of stuff. And What I've come to realize, and I shared this in a post that I made on social media, was that my, you know, me knowing in my heart that I'm not a racist and that I love all people is not enough anymore. It's just not enough. And that my silence as a leader has really made me in in a lot of ways complicit in this area, in that I think I heard in in an interview that I, I don't remember who it was, but someone shared that white people are the people that are going to eliminate racism. And that if we want to change the system, we have to change the people that created the system in the first place. And this idea of being silent, not being good enough anymore, really 
awoke something in me to know that, you know, I might not have the right thing to say and it might not really make a big difference, but that I can't have that attitude anymore. I need to do something. And I, and I only share that as context because I know there's probably a lot of my listeners that are white men and women leaders that feel that way, but they're still afraid to even take that first step of even opening up a dialogue. Felicia, what would you say to that person? Like understanding how that makes, how does that make you feel as a black woman when people that you would consider your friends and influences in your life don't have a voice and don't reach out to you? I honestly would go back to, you know, what, what makes up a healthy relationship, you know, and one of the things that makes up a healthy relationship is mutual respect. And so for me, that's where all of this falls, falls under mutual respect. And honestly, just like valuing who I am the same way I value who they are. So I want them to see my blackness and I want them to do their best to understand, though they never will. You know, there are so many resources out there that could be utilized so that they could understand as much as they possibly could so that that mutual respect can actually be there from that place of me being a black woman. Yeah. When you say mutual respect, what does that mean to you? Like, what is what is their responsibility in, in that? relationship in your mind? I mean, is it really just as simple as just letting you know that they're thinking about you and that they're feeling for you? I mean, is it really that simple for us? I don't know that it's that simple. And I also think that it depends on the person. Uh, For me, I have really appreciated the friends who have reached out to just say, I'm thinking of you. They're observing that something is different this time. Um, And I hate even having to say this time, but they feel that something is different this time and that they need to speak out. They feel a need to speak out. Obviously, there's pressure, outside pressure from Black people, from other, you know, white people who are consider themselves allies. But I do think, honestly, that that there's work to do, you know, and that work I don't feel is my responsibility. So what I've been doing is I've been pointing them in the direction of resources for themselves so that they can truly become the ally that they say they would like to be. Got it. So so if I'm hearing you correctly, the starting point is really just a position of mutual respect, letting as a human being. So here's the thing that, that really drives me crazy is how people think they can compartmentalize this business life and this business relationship they have with somebody without acknowledging this other incredibly important part of their life and think that, that that shouldn't be as important to them as a leader in that person, you know, with that person. So I, I get that. Robin, what, what would you say? So would you agree just as a starting point to care enough to reach out? You know, are there, what other things do you think, you know, from the, and look, I get it. Cause it shouldn't, I mean, I almost feel like I should say this, like it shouldn't be your job to tell us how to be compassionate and make a difference. Like, and I get the, how frustrating that would be if I had, but like just no coming from the place of, we're lost when it comes to this, if I'm honest. Like, what are some of the things that we could be doing? And, and when we don't do them, how does that how does that make you feel as a human being and as a person that's in this person's organization? Well, I I love what she shared because I have these same exact sentiments, simply because you have to understand when all of this happened with George Floyd, at the same exact time, our company, like our, my team hit the top of the company and we became the number one fastest growing team in the company. Therefore, what happens when you get the spotlight? Tons of people in the organization then begin reaching out to you asking, what are you doing? What are your tips? 
And so it was so apparent to me of how many people who I called or deemed as friends were really clueless as to still what was going on because they would reach out to me without even a hello. And they're just like going in, Hey, can I get these resources? Hey, can you give me, send me this video? Hey, can you, instead of like, how are you, how are you doing? And, and so I do really appreciate the few friends that I have had that have reached out to me personally and said, you know, how are you feeling, Robin? How are you feeling? I want to be a part of the change, but I don't even know how or where to start. And while I do feel like it's not the onus isn't on African-Americans to school white people or to help uh, people from European descent to like to write this ship. Like at some point we all have to take personal responsibility. Even as African-Americans, we have to take personal responsibility because so many of us, because we were not taught uh, the history, the true history of this country within the context of our schooling, we have to also take it upon ourselves to understand our own history. And so with that being said, I think the next step after empathizing and having that mutual respect, I think that it's absolutely time for us to band together and start locking arms with people and having these hard and courageous conversations. And this actually, um, I had a racial reconciliation group that I've been facilitating and leading for the past three years. And it was birthed from some statements that were made from people who don't look like me, but who are in my company it made some statements that were that were hurtful. And so instead of me being silent and instead of me saying, you know, it's just another day, another day, another issue, they don't understand. I spoke out and I said, you know, this is hurtful. And, and so from that, the dialogue began. So I am happy to point people to resources, but actually en- engage in the real dialogue that has to take place in order to begin to help people to see a different perspective. That's how you really build mutual respect within relationships. And because we're in a relationship business, we have no choice but as leaders to engage in this process. Yeah. Don't you think that's, I mean, it's, it's one of the most valuable qualities of leadership, isn't it? Compassion and, and empathy to be able to truly see things through the eyes of another. And, and, and that's where I think today, I think that we're being offered a tremendous gift as human beings right now in that we're really having to, I'm sure everybody saw this social post that was going around, like what if 2020 wasn't canceled and it was the year that everything changed? I think that's the, that's the seed of opportunity here for each of us is to question our deeply held beliefs about certain things and the way that, you know, our perceptions and really be able to truly step into more of that compassion. But Robin, I love what you said about like not having it be business as usual, because I think one of the questions that I get a lot from our community is should it be business and usual? And I think the answer is resoundingly no. Like if you're just showing up and doing and saying the same exact thing that you normally would without acknowledging what's happening in the world at, you know, whatever level you feel comfortable doing, you have to at least acknowledge what's happening and take a stand and let people know you're not for it. Because if you're not saying that, then like you said, that's speaking louder than anything else, you know? So I think that that's a great, really valuable piece of advice for people to to pull from there. Sunjata, so you have anything that you'd add to that discussion? You know, I'm sure you, you obviously have a unique perspective. I'm sure that you can add a lot of value in this area. Anything you would add to that conversation? Yes, a couple of things. One, I think it's important for the business community 
to realize that all of our destinies are, are intertwined. Uh, we're literally all interconnected and we're all interdependent. And when I say all, I literally mean everything in nature is literally interconnected and interdependent. So I think 2020 has shown us that in a very major way with COVID-19, uh, you know, literally shutting the entire, pretty much the entire globe down and businesses having to stop because it really gave us an, an example of how our destinies are intertwined in a major way. I think that the, the current protests are also an example as, you know, uh, I watched a video before I got on here, talked about there being two, three different groups of people. You have your protesters, your rioters, and your looters being all, but there are three distinct motives behind all of them, but they all have a purpose and we're all impacted. You know, no matter what those images make you feel, you're impacted by it. You can't get away from it, whether you're supportive or whether you're in, you know, disagreement with it, you're still impacted by it. So, you know, and if your property has been damaged, you know, if, if you own a business in these major metropolitan areas, yeah, you're impacted in that way as well. So again, our destinies are intertwined. I think that's important to realize. And another thing that I like to talk about and like I like to say is that on a larger scale, like no one is free until we're all free. So even for those people who are having success in the financial state or in the business sector, the fact that they have to, you know, arm themselves and put up gates in their communities and around their homes and, you know, get the latest security systems and all these various fears that they have to carry to secure their, their, their quote unquote winnings and success is an example of how they're not free. They're not fully safe. They can't literally enjoy the, the spoils of their success without worrying about others coming to get them or get it. So are they truly free? That's a question I like for folks to really ponder. And another thing that I like to, to point out is that when you talk about, you know, what can people do? One of the things I like to share when I go around and, and speak and talk about these things is that change is fractal. Change is emergent. And what that means is like every little thing counts. Um, literally, if each individual listening to this just decided to every time that someone made a racist, prejudiced, or bigoted remark in their presence, if they just said something, they would make they would be making a difference. If they stopped being complicit in the jokes that put down people of African descent, Latinx descent, Asian descent, does anyone you know who is not of European descent? Because obviously, just by the history of this country, the history of colonization, how it was spread throughout the world, you know, people of European descent have been able to adopt this sense of uh, superiority, uh, even if it's not intentional, even if it's not something that you want to do. And to relieve any one of the discomfort of that, I can speak from a male's perspective and say that I've adopted unintentionally male privilege. You know, I can speak from an adult's perspective and say that I've unintentionally adopted adult privilege over young people. So there's, as I said before, because of my work, I see oppression and I understand power dynamics in all these different relationships. And one of the ways that I, I'm conscious and aware is that I try to reject my power and reject my, my power over and my privilege in several areas of my life. And if anyone listening to this chose to do that, they are truly making a difference and putting it into what is at the root cause of all these issues. And I hinted at it, but I'll say this, that it's the it's power over and control, uh, systems of power over and control that are at the root cause of all these various issues. And if we learn to orient ourselves and to adopt systems and beliefs that are aligned with more power with 
and collaboration in everything we do, we'll be making a difference. Yeah, that's powerful. As I'm listening to you say this, what I'm really hearing, like the thing that jumps out at me, and this was part of what I shared earlier, is it's really just personal responsibility in doing our own part or as little or as that big is. And, and listen, as a person of faith, what grabs my heart is really repentance in that area of, of being able to repent to say that I was, I am complicit in this way, even if that complicity is through silence and being able to acknowledge that, you know, there is something that I'm, I'm responsible to do. I, here's a question, and I'll open this up to any of you that like to discuss it. The thing that I, here's what I keep getting stuck on. I saw this immediately when I, I put out my opinion or just, just a conversation. And not unsurprisingly, there were a very degree of responses to that. And the, the common thing that I saw that jumped out was this, that people want to make this an, an either or thing, right? Like, it's almost like, how could you be, you can't be supportive of a movement like Black Lives Matter without that being mutually excluding, like you, you don't support law enforcement. So like, well, you're, you know, like it's, it's an either or thing. And to me, that's the problem is that it's, we're at the root cause. It's like they're enemies in this battle. And, and, you know, what, so what do you have to say to somebody that would say, you got to support one or the other? Like, how do we get around this? Cause this is what, this is where I think people get stuck. Yeah. I, I don't think that it's either or, <laughs> I, I'm not even going to say that I personally subscribe to the Black Lives Matter movement itself, but I do subscribe to this idea that Black Lives Matter and that you can't publicly say that all lives matter until you acknowledge the fact that Black lives matter less in this day and age. And they do. I mean, it's just pr been proven over and over and over again. So saying that you care about your fellow man does not necessarily negate the fact that you feel that it's important to have policing systems. Like I can still believe in having uh, public servants protecting and serving, but I can also still believe that our police departments also need to be scrutinized and they need to be in the amount of information that people are being given as far as police departments and, and, and really what the, with the origin of police departments and, and, and how they have not been protecting and serving black communities for some time, that history of that needs to be looked at as well. So I think it's a, it's a mixture of both, but I absolutely think that this idea that blue lives matter, but black lives can't matter or black, if black lives matter, then blue lives can't matter. It's two totally different things. And you can be in support of police systems and you can also be in support of knowing that all lives have to matter um, and Black lives include in that. Yeah. I think that's where, and I'll speak personally, I think, Robin, that's where we as white people get tripped up because it, it becomes such like a slippery slope to us where we don't want to say the wrong word. But what I'm hearing you say is what, what I've come to really agree with is it really, it just boils down to a basic issue of human rights as opposed to the political agendas of different organizations that you may or may not agree with. So as a white person, we can say that we don't support this and that we think it's wrong without having that have to be some sort of a political stance for us, right? Am I hearing you correctly when you say that? Exactly. Yeah. So I think, Sunjata, this is speaking partially to the, to the issue of systems, right, that when we talk about. And I thought it was, what I thought was interesting um, when I listened to your latest message, I kind of laughed when you said you don't watch the news, which 
we would probably all be pretty well served in, in subscribing to that philosophy. But yeah. talk, can you talk a little bit, because I know this is the root of your work, when, when you say that it's really about, you know, the level of change happens at the level of systems, right, and reforming those. Right. Can you speak a little bit about kind of what you mean by that and, and what are, in your mind, what are some of the first, most important first initial steps that we can take in that area? Yeah, so as a systems thinker, again, which is a, a whole methodology and philosophy on understanding the root causes of issues. Um, and systems thinking is a, a methodology that's used in several disciplines, but in the discipline of society and social issues and social systems, basically systems thinkers believe that you can't change and reform systems. You have to create something new that makes the old models obsolete. People like myself, we're out here literally creating new language. We're creating new ways of being in relationship with one another. We're creating new ways of exchanging ideas as well as resources with one another because we understand the pitfalls and the barriers that are embedded within our current social dominant mainstream social system. So to speak to the issue that you just spoke of, for example, you know, the news is polarizing. Uh, one of the reasons why I believe that a lot of people have a hard time of holding in their mind the complexity of Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that all lives don't matter, doesn't mean that police lives don't matter, et cetera, uh, is because most of our news outlets, you know, pr present the information in a way that is, is kind of a political spin. And what is politics all about? It's all about winning. Politics is about winning at any cost, Right. It's about winning. It's about proving the other side wrong. It's about us versus them. And what's at the root of that? Maintaining power, right? If our side wins, we still have power. We still have power over and control of the narrative and control of the resources and control of et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The foundational framework of communication within the current dominant paradigms is debate. And again, debate is rooted in all those things. You have debate clubs and schools. We have the, our politicians have debates, you know, and they, they mudsling, they lie, they, they call each other names. I mean, think, look at the ugliness that's embedded in our political process. The process that's supposed to, you know, lead us is embedded with all this ugliness and this divisiveness, right? So that's why I am a proponent of authentic dialogue. Authentic dialogue is literally the solution, in my opinion, to everything that we, we grapple and struggle with. Authentic dialogue is a, a communication framework because authentic dialogue says that no matter where your views are, it's about truly listening empathetically to one another. It's about asking empathetic questions. It's about being tolerant of people's differences without feeling like you have to change. And ultimately, it's about creating win-wins and compromises and solutions that everyone can consent to. Uh, I'm a huge proponent and a believer in authentic dialogue because I've seen it work. I've facilitated authentic dialogues for groups that were opposing and total polar opposites in terms of their viewpoints on a particular topic. And I do this exercise where I'll go into this group and I'll have them debate first so they can do what's natural and have them feel that. And then we take a break. And then I'll come back and we'll dial, I'll have an alternate dialogue about the same topic with the same people so they can feel the difference. And I've had people be moved to tears because where at once they were at each other's necks and ready to rip each other's you know, heads off through authentic dialogue, 
a level of empathy emerged, a level of tolerance emerged, and ultimately they were able to start speaking towards the middle, towards, again, win-win solutions, because once both people actually felt heard and respected, guess what people do when they feel heard and respected? They're willing to compromise. They're willing to listen. They're willing to learn. You know, authentic dialogue is also about learning. So understand that we don't all have the solutions and the truth is relative. So, you know, if your truth, so here's the thing, as, as someone of African descent, as much as I understand the struggle of, you know, my ancestors and myself in this, in this world, I can empathize with people of European descent who don't understand and who don't get it. I'm not mad at them because if I was, you know, that, that doesn't move us forward. So I'm willing to come to the table and have an alternate dialogue with anyone about anything because I believe that their feelings are just as valid as mine. You know how hard that would be for most or many people of African descent to say that a person of European descent who doesn't understand our struggle is valid? And you know why I think that is valid? Here's what systems thinking has taught me. Systems thinking has taught me not to blame, but systems thinking has taught me what, to understand what, is, what has influenced people's beliefs. And because I've shifted from a blame, mind, a blame mindset to wondering, asking the question, well, what is influencing their beliefs? And then I go into the history of things and I understand. And, you know, so that's, that's just kind of some insights into, you know, how to frame these things differently, um, how I think about things differently. I, I hope that kind of answered and gave you some yeah. perspective on how I think about these things. No, it really, I mean, so powerful. So, I mean, I would, so many things I, I jotted down as you were talking. And I, but I, I think the point I'd like to make is you hit the nail on the head, and each of you have said this, that as a leader, if you really want to learn how to influence the hearts and the minds of people, you must first, they must feel understood. They've got to truly feel. And I think that's what it's, it's we're, we're caught up in this kind of self-perpetuating cycle where both side is not, they don't care enough to really understand the other person's point of view. And it just keeps feeding the fuel of this. And, you know, Sunjata, I hear you talking about systems thinking and everything, but I think to me, the magic word you have written on your shirt right now, it's love. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. What, when you're doing these, you know, we do the same thing in our work. You know, you've got this group of people that do these seminars with and they're, they're debating. But what they're doing is they're really operating from a place of fear. Because that's what mm, power absolutely. is all about. When you're operating from fear, you feel as though you need to get the upper hand. You have to have power. And, you know, that power is at odds with empathy and compassion and understanding. And what you're doing is you're shifting them to love. And when absolutely. they can, from the foundation of love, not feel threatened by another person's point of view and care enough to actually see the person as a human being and want to know how they feel, that's where transformation occurs. And I, and I, I love that because Robin and Felicia will tell you that's at the root of the work that we do as well. So Felicia, what's coming up for you here? Because you know we talk about this stuff all day long, every day in our, in our program. What, how, how have you seen the application of, of this role of love versus fear and kind of how this is playing out in all this today? And how how's this helped you navigate this? I'm just honestly really thankful that so many people's eyes are opening and that they're they're more willing to to hear us. Because if I'm honest, it's happened before, a lot of times before, and I speak out every time I hear it, but this is the first time that I feel like people are listening. And so I feel like because 
our industry is based on relationships, right? And that that respect, which Sunjata just mentioned, uh, now I'm starting to feel like some of that respect is here, is present. And what else comes with healthy relationships? Trust comes with it as well. So I'm starting to feel like things are going to get stronger over time as people start to dig into this work. Yeah. And that's that authentic dialogue that Sunjata yes. was talking about. Robin, how's this apply to some of the work that you do in your in your group? And you're doing this, you're proactively doing this work to try to help in the area of conversations. And I'm guessing probably a lot of what you do is around authentic dialogue as a starting point. How, how do you see, you know, how does this apply to some of the stuff that you're trying to do in your company? Yeah. So, you know, through, through my racial reconciliation group, it obviously starts with um, being an authentic community with others and providing a safe place where we can help to educate and sort of shift the mindsets and open the eyes of people who are, are, you have to be willing and you have to be ready to learn, right. And ready to listen and ready to take in information. And so that really helps honestly bring a lot of awareness because awareness really comes from feeling something. And that's part of the reason why I've encouraged, I know this seems kind of weird, but I've encouraged people, especially, um, my friends from European descent who come to me and said, you know, what can I do? The first thing I told them to do is watch the full nine minute video of George Floyd. Like you need to watch the whole video because that awareness is what brings about feeling. And when you feel something, and that's really where the heart work comes from that we do um, in our businesses is that now you can actually begin to tap into feeling, truly feeling and empathizing with another person and so those are the types of conversations that I'm having, you know, within the context of my racial reconciliation group that now has is beginning to expand. Um, I'm going to start doing a virtual group. We used to just meet in the home. So I do think there's something about that belly to belly connection with people, especially when you're doing this type of this heart work. But now it's going to be extended virtually. And so I'm, I'm excited to have a lot of leaders in, in my personal company that will be joining the group. And I think that's when you begin to create those bigger ripple effects, because honestly, at the end of the day, the, the change will not only happen, but also be sustained when it's not just people of color that are, are holding the torch, but then we're passing it along to our white brothers and sisters, just like you, Bob, you're willing to dig in and do the work. And that's how real change is going to occur, because I do think for so many decades, there are probably many people that are in your position, Bob. Who, who want to make a difference, but they don't even know how. And so because it's such, it's been such a touchy topic for so many years, they've just stayed silent. And so now, honestly, through this tragedy of, of George Floyd, I think it's bringing about a level of awareness that people can't not say anything anymore. And I think that that's ultimately a good thing. Yeah. I, to me, I mean, what you said is so powerful that awareness comes from feeling. Right. So powerful. I so relate to that because I, just me personally, I, you know, I was, I was struggling with whether I should say anything, you know, Shannon, my wife said, Hey, you know, are you going to say anything? And I was like, uh, I wasn't sure if I should. Right. And it's interesting how she, you know, she can just say a couple of words to me. And in, and, and in those couple of words, she says a lot. And I started, I didn't say anything to her. But as I usually do as a man, I kind of ruminated over that for a little while. And this was on Monday. And on Tuesday of this week, I sat down and I said, okay, 
I'm going to, I have to say something, but I allowed myself, I became conscious in that moment with the intention of wanting to understand. And I went through a process and I, truth be told, had not watched the full video until that moment. And I did. And I started to just kind of read and learn and listen and understand. And, um, you know, I think as men, we don't allow ourselves to feel often because it's kind of like a defense mechanism. But I, in that moment, I felt deeply. And um, I had a very emotional day writing a message, like to the point where I had, after I was done, I had to just stop and go be with my family and my children. You know, and Shannon saw that I was kind of emotional and she said, well, you don't ever let yourself feel. Right. And I think there's such power in that moment when we can care enough to allow ourselves to feel and want to understand that's really where we need to be. And, and, but if we're so stuck in fear and those conversations about always wanting to be right, we'll spend our whole lives, we'll die trying to be right. But what, is that really any way to live a life? We'll never, you'll never find peace, joy, fulfillment, love, happiness, trying to acquire power and to be right our entire lives. You know, so I, I so relate to that there. Sujata, I'm curious, what, you have some perspective on this? Because, Yeah, I have a question for you, if you don't mind. I wanna, yeah, please. I want to yes. lean in more. To, yeah, put me, on, um, put me on the hot seat, man. I put, every, I put everybody else on the hot seat, so get <laughs> me on there. Yeah, I, I want to lean in because it's a couple of things I'm taking away from what you're saying. So here's what I'm hearing. Um, you know, it's kind of like this training of what it takes to be successful in America Successful in America, especially like as men, the messaging that we get is that we, if we allow ourselves to feel too long, then we'll kind of lose pace in the race to ultimate success. And if we can kind of remain neutral and away from certain things, then we stay focused and we keep building, we keep grinding, we keep hustling. Like that's our duty in a sense. And I kind of feel like I heard a little bit of that where that's kind of like what you feel is your role and kind of getting into and before this moment, before you decide to your wife brought that to you and you decide to kind of lean in, you were still doing what was right, which is, you know, taking care of your family by focusing on building a business, being strong. You don't have time for feelings. You don't have time for being upset. You don't have time for protest because you have to do what it, what it takes to win. So with that, I want to know, is that accurate? And I also want to know exactly like, a little bit more about what you felt when you watched it. I mean, were you surprised by what you felt when you actually watched the nine minute video and actually linked in to start learning more? Yeah. So I'll answer the first question. So it, it really was, and it's totally true. I mean, my, here's one of the gifts that I've been given going through all this. My Shannon, you know, she struggled with it a lot and she's been very scared. And um, we have a three month old at home. And I, what I've noticed is my tendency to want to be dismissive of her feelings and to always try to fix everything, like it's going to be okay. And how my doing that actually made her feel very alone in our relationship together because she didn't feel understood. So I had to, I, what, one of the things that I've tried to work on myself is not always just trying to make everything right and have everything be okay, but to be able to sit in the mess sometimes and, and let somebody know that it's okay to be there. and together we can get through it. So absolutely, I fall into that pattern of just wanting to go, go, go instead of actually acknowledge, you know, the feelings along the way. But on that note, I'll tell you how I felt, you know, Tuesday when I spent the time doing this, you know, I felt incredibly sad, felt saddened by the human race that, 
that there something like that could happen and that anybody from any agenda could find could find an argument where that that's that's not okay and and i got to a point personally where i just had to ask myself like why am i doing this like what is the point of the work that i do is is, is the point you know am i doing this because i just want to make a lot of money and i want to acquire as many followers on social media as i can because if that was the goal i definitely would not have spoken out but I just had to ask myself as a person of faith who I feel called by God into the work that I do, why am I doing this? And, and if it's for something more important than just making money and, and achieving success, and I truly want to see change in the world, how could I not say something about this? But then I also felt afraid because I knew saying something about this was going to put, you know, leave me exposed and risk somebody not agreeing with me. And I struggled with that a little bit because I knew that there was going to be a subset of my audience that was not going to like what I had to say. And I had to come to terms with the fact that I felt having a voice in this matter and doing something was more important than gaining the approval of everybody that follows me on social media. It's been an emotional couple of days for me because I, you know, I don't like the fact that people don't agree with me, but I have to be okay with that, you know? And um, so, yeah, I'm still sorting through it, honestly. But it's, uh, I know in my heart that this is the right thing to do. And I know that I'll never, I will never regret doing what I believe to be the right thing. Even if in the short term it's inconvenient and it's unpopular for some people. And my, as long as I, look, my, when I meet my maker, you know, my, the master distributor and upline in my life is, is I want to be able to stand before him and say, hey, you know, I did my best to do the good work while I was there, while I had my time on earth. And that, to me, that's a big part of it. I appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate the vulnerability of everything you just shared. Yeah. So we're up against about an hour here now. So I want to be respectful of each of your time. And I, you know, once again, I, I could, I just couldn't possibly be more grateful for this. And I really hope that at some point in this discussion, something that we said you know, impacted or influenced some of you that are listening. But I'd like to give each of you an opportunity just kind of in closing, if there's anything that you'd like to share, or if there's something that we haven't talked about that you wish we would have, that, that is an important issue for you, just a couple of parting words, I think would be great. So Felicia, would you like to kick it off? Uh, sure. Um, I will just say, again, education is the best thing that all of us can can offer ourselves. Robin mentioned, you know, this isn't stuff that we're even taught in school. It's brushed over. Thankfully, I, I was able to have some African-American teachers uh, when I was younger. So I did learn some of these things. But use your resources. Get in the library. Purchase some books. Go on Google. You know, I say you have the world at your fingertips. Go read about microaggressions. You know, go read about all of the things that maybe you don't realize uh, that you're saying might be harmful. And I think it was, I think it was Bob, you said, speak up. When you hear something, speak up. Uh, That's important. And every little bit helps. Yeah. Do you have, Felicia, do you have any favorite resources that you like to recommend to people that are asking? Do you have anything specific that you could recommend? Yeah, I really like the book, White Fragility. That's an excellent read. And then there's another, um, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria that I also really, really quite love. Okay, awesome. So we'll we'll make sure we link these uh, resources in the show notes for everybody. So Robin, how about you? Any uh, Anything you'd like to say just kind of in, to wrap things up here? 
Yeah, I first just want to thank you, Bob, for even uh, having this dialogue. Uh, it's it's really refreshing to see people of influence stand up for something right, despite how unpopular it may or may not be. So I just personally want to thank you for that. And, you know, I, I really have a take on the same sentiment as Felicia, that it's really just now time for us to dig into the deep work of racial reconciliation, because racial reconciliation is kingdom work. So if you are a believer, then this is something that we all should be burdened um, to do. And, you know, I would say even if you aren't quite ready to start your own racial reconciliation group or courageous conversations group, begin by joining um, a group called Be the Bridge. A lady by the name of Natasha Morrison, she runs that group. It's, it's a Facebook group, but she also has a book. And the book is, is really impactful. It's called Be the Bridge. I would also suggest, you know, a lot of people now are still kind of staying a little bit closer to home this summer. People aren't venturing out as much still because of the pandemic. And so I would say start digging into some of these resources that documentaries on Netflix. Uh, 13th is a really great documentary just to give you a little bit of context on this historical perspective of systems of oppression in our country. And that will lend itself to you really opening your eyes up a little bit more to why um, looking at police brutality in this country and understanding the history behind that and why it's important to not just choose a side. There's lots of other um, documentaries as well, but I, I would say a, a first start for most people is to watch 13. Is there any is there anything specific that you would give advice to to uh, a white man or woman that's in a position of leadership and has a organization? Like, what are some of the things that we can and should be doing just when it comes to leading our team? At, maybe it's with social media or our Facebook groups. I mean, are there are there intentional things that we can and should be doing to promote more a culture of diversity and inclusion? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that when you hear or read about a perspective that you do understand and agree with, so let's just say it's an article that you read, or let's just say that you watched 13, Bob, and you're like, this is good. There are people that you have influence over that if you talk about, and not a dissertation, but just, hey, I'm checking in and I'm watching this with my wife, Shannon, tonight, and this is a really impactful, impactful documentary that's opening my eyes up to things. I think those small things that we do will begin to make this less uncomfortable for people who want change. They just don't know how to go about being a part of the change. Yeah. And I think that goes to what Sunjata shared, how change is fractal, right? We each do these little things along the way. So cool. That's a great, that's a really good, powerful piece of advice. So thank you for that. And to understand too, at the end of the day, that mass movements don't start with a mass. They start with one person. So if we all have that understanding, then we we go into this work knowing that the small things that we do aren't really small. They actually can carry a lot of weight and have a lot of impact. And that's how you create ripple effects of change, just like we do in our businesses every day. Yeah. Just like building your downline, right? Yep. <laughs> awesome. Sunjata, so any, uh, any final words of wisdom for us here? Yes. Um, I just want to share... A couple of resources, if anyone wants to go a little bit deeper into any of the things that I shared. The first one uh, is Race Haven. It's a podcast. If you Google Race Haven, solutions-focused dialogue about race relations in America, 
uh, you'll find that work. And it's 36 episodes that were recorded between 2016 and 2018. Uh, I believe what's powerful about that work is we cover everything that was mentioned here about things like, you know, white privilege, white fragility, Black Lives Matter, Colin Kaepernick, when Donald Trump was elected, it was like at the height of all those things. You know, we, we dialogued about those things. But I think what makes my, my podcast powerful is that you get to hear it from, you know, diverse perspectives. You know, you kind of get to hear your voice if you're a person of European descent who may lean more conservative. Uh, you know, my friend John Costino is more conservative and he's, you know, a Donald Trump uh, supporter and, you know, more someone who grew up more, you know, in a suburban privileged type environment contrasted with my voice, as well as I bring on historians, sociologists, academics, et cetera, and they get to hear questions from John and me. It's so much uh, value in those dialogues that I think a lot of people can grow of all, you know, backgrounds, not just people of European descent, but people of all ethnic backgrounds can grow with understanding these things through that podcast. Another tool and resource for individuals who want to go deeper in understanding, you know, power dynamics and understanding uh, the way our systems, our social systems are designed. Uh, my podcast is called Theory of Indivisibility, and I'm going to give my website that has links to all these things, but Theory of Indivisibility dives into that work. And then the final thing is authentic dialogue uh, at my website. If anyone wants to learn more about that, you can find a 20-minute webinar that I recorded called How to Strengthen Relationships and Build Thriving Culture with Authentic Dialogue, a three-step process for collaborative conflict resolution. There's a video uh, on my website where individuals can take that course. Uh, it's absolutely free. Pay what you can because I believe in the solidarity economy. And all those things can be found at drsunjata.com, D-R-S-U-N-D-I-A-T-A.com. And we'll link, we'll link all these in the show notes, guys, to make it really easy for everybody to find. So awesome. Cool. Well, listen, I want to I thank each of you for being here today. And, and I know each of you individually lead incredibly busy lives with business and family. So it means a lot that you took some time to do this. And I'm sure I speak for my audience and our community that they feel grateful as well. And, um, you know, I truly hope that this conversation impacted some of you in some way, shape or form. And I'd love to hear from you. So please let us know and definitely check out Sunjata. He's doing some incredible work and we'll make sure that we all get those resources out to everyone else. So thanks for being here, everybody. Really appreciate it. Okay, so I hope I hope you got some value out of that. I hope that it gave you just some additional clarity and some steps and things that you can do. And uh, I would encourage you to definitely check out those resources that each of our guests mentioned at the end of the episode. We put them in the show notes for you to make it easy for you to find. And uh, once again, thank you as always for your time, for your attention. I you know I love and appreciate every single one of you, regardless of the color of your skin. Uh, you know, I really want to do my best to create an inclusive community. And hopefully we've taken a couple of initial important steps to, uh, to, to help uh, any people of color that in our community to let you know that you are valued and that I do want to do my best to understand your perspective on these matters. So thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for your time. And uh, I will see you on the next episode. Take care.